0: You're listening to Inside the Locker Room with Wimp and Barry Sanderson on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa.
1: Coach Samson or Coach Barry Samson. This is Justin Jones, your producer extraordinaire, filling in just for a little bit here. We're going to be doing a best of on Inside the Locker Room today. We're going to hear a lot of our amazing interviews that we've done uh, most recently in the month of December. Lots of great stuff. We'll hear from uh, J.C. Sherbert here to start the show off, as well as um, Richard Hendricks, T.R. Dunn, Doug Bell, Bill Cameron, just to name a few. Um, So let's dive right on into it. We appreciate y'all listening. We hope everybody's having a great Friday so far. Like I said, we're going to start off with JC Sherbert from yesterday, Thursday, December 21st on Inside the Locker Room. (laughs)
2: Oh.
3: treated by from great so appreciate jimmy rain and uh, great southernwood been uh the prime sponsor for inside the locker room the uh, great people do a great job always remember if it doesn't have the yellow tag on it you don't want it. Right. he's the owner of the uh has several podcasts joins us every uh thursday we always love having jc on good morning jc how are you my man uh, good morning. morning,
4: guys. Great to be with you today on a Thursday again, last last one of the year.
3: Yeah, is it, are um, uh, you in Chicago?
4: Yeah, I'll be, uh, but uh, next week, uh, I don't know if y'all have a show or not, but I'll be uh, yeah, in we West Palm Beach getting
3: ready to get married. So uh, Oh, so you won't be on next week then, are we? No, I'll be, yeah. I, we're gonna deliver that news today. JC, uh, I mean, who comes you can't, first? You can't. You can't just
5: as soon as you say I do, just jump right on.
3: Right, but J- <laughs> J- JC, you got to set the ground early in this mayor is that I got to do what I got to do, and then you know, you're, you're setting. The- nah, no, don't don't do that. Spread the precedent, huh? but no, I I think Thursday
4: night is because Saturday is what? Yes, Thursday night's bachelor party day. You guys don't want me on yeah, uh, well. that early in the morning when I'm. You know, yeah. getting ready for the night's festivities, right? You, say, nah. you gonna wear a coat? You gonna wear a coat and tie to the wedding? No, it's a beach wedding, coach. So I get to oh. wear no tie. Uh, How about shoes? Feet?
6: You gonna, you sure. gonna go best boat
4: Shoes? No boat shoes? shoes? Not boat, no, boat shoes. I can't go barefooted, man. My she kill me. My, my feet are not what I would call attractive, oh. um, and I don't. I don't want to get a pedicure, so. Uh, oh, I got boat shoes. I got a nice little uh, get up. Uh, Britons in Columbia hooked me up with it, so uh, you, got, you remember them, Barry. Oh yeah. Um, so uh, we're we're looking forward to a.
3: About Twenty of our closest friends and family are going to be there, and so we're uh, we're looking forward to it. If you, if so, you if you'd invited Dad, he'd have came to Boca Raton, Florida. He's always trying to get south. So yeah, uh, to I don't <laughs> like cold weather. No, uh, yeah, yeah. It's supposed to be mid 70s
4: so it'll
3: be nice. JC, uh, yesterday was the signing date. I just give your overall impressions of what maybe happened in the SEC. And the, did you see uh, that the NIL affected things? Maybe in the last week or two, or did everything kind of go as you planned? Well I mean,
4: everything kinda kinda
3: went as
4: planned. Uh, y- you know here's a weird thing about this sign of day, guys, and I've been doing this. This is my nineteenth or twentieth sign of day. Probably twentieth. <laughs> it, it was the least dramatic. Yeah. Boring. But I mean Alabama flipped a couple of guys. Auburn flipped some guys and stuff. But uh I mean I guess if you talking to a Florida fan it wouldn't have been boring. But uh just kinda late and you know why? The transfer portal has acted like I don't know if y'all ever saw the Disney movie back in the '70s, The Black Hole. Yeah, uh, it's a terrible movie, but I, I loved it when I was a kid. Basically, this black hole in space sucks everything into it. The portal is that, like a black hole, to where it's taken a lot. I, I, and I think this has to do with coaches' time too. It flips. Uh, you know, a lot of these flips that happened yesterday were preordained. People have known about them for weeks. Um, that the last minute surprising flips were way down this year. Uh, it's a situation where, you know, when you kind of look at it, it, it almost has had a. If you like, if you like less drama with the high school kids, it's almost a situation where it's a lot less drama. Yeah, well, yeah, uh, so the, I, I, the, think, the, I think the, the a portal lot. is so. You know, everybody's talking about the portal. The portal. The portal. The portal.
3: Yeah, but I think a lot of these guys are already on campus is practicing, so there's no drama there. Uh, Alabama's got several guys already here with that early signing period. The guys are already here in school uh, enrolled, so uh, that, that causes less flips as well, doesn't it, JC? Absolutely.
4: I mean, I know a large percentage of a lot of the classes around the SEC are early enrollees, uh, so there's no time to flip and, you know, redo your class schedule and I mean, you know, it's a pain. So it's almost that kind of, if you, if you like, for your team to hold on to your high school guys, it's almost been, you know, pretty positive impact. The portal thing, uh, you asked about NIL, not really. Uh, where I hear about it all the time is transfer portal guys over and over and over. I mean, some of it, some of it's legit, some of it's ridiculous. Uh, some of these guys need to actually play some good football before they go asking for more money. Um but that's that's where I see nil and and everything kind of creeping up and um you know like I said it, it's just been a weird signing day because you know the NCA has always been trying to kill signing day as an event because so they can't make any money off of it right yeah uh, since I was at rivals they've tried just they make life hard they try to you know that's why they did two and then it blew up on them because the first one was bigger and all that but uh, with their transfer portal rule they may have actually unintended consequences. Taking a lot of the luster off of high school signing day. So that's uh that's something to watch moving forward. I mean, it's like the people, you know, that normally would be all about recruiting right now or high school recruiting, portal, 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 all across the interweb. So uh it's been an interesting uh, time to say the least.
3: Yep.
5: Yeah, South Carolina and Auburn, are they getting quarterbacks beyond besides the one that they have? And um do you think the second string quarterback at Alabama will stay? That's a hard question to answer. I mean,
4: uh I, I would stay if I were him, but um yeah. who knows. I mean Eli Holstein's still there, right? Yeah. So he may pass him. If he passes him, I think he'd probably go. But uh it's um you know, South Carolina is looking for a backup quarterback in yeah. the portal. And that that's hard. I mean you you really gotta kinda find a D two guy or FCS guy that just wants a shot. Um they had A.J. Swan from Vanderbilt committed and he elected uh, his mom kind of wanted him at LSU and you know after he committed to Carolina twice, he ended up signing with LSU and uh, he's, in his defense, you know, he, he's probably more similar to Garrett Nussmeier than he is to Lenore Sellers at South Carolina, so maybe he feels like he can go in there and have a better path to a potential starting job. He's a good player. Uh, so that would have been ideal, but you know they're going to go try to find find a guy somewhere. I mean they need depth, obviously. But uh, South Carolina's is one of the schools where I think you know they're not going to promise a starting job to anybody
3: because I think they, they've already got. Um, yeah, I think you Freeze said, "Is every time a guy hits a quarterback hits the portal, everybody says, throw the bag at him, throw the, go get him, throw the bag at him.'" He said, "If you go around look at all the guys that went around, uh, nobody was that great." Uh, so he's he's pushed all his chips in on Peyton Thorne and said it publicly. They said, we got to get better uh, guys around. And Robbie Ashford's going to the uh, transfer portal there. Are you surprised he pushed all his chips in on Peyton Thorne, Uh, JC? A little bit. Yeah. Uh, I would have expected Auburn
4: to make a run at Brock Vandergriff. Uh, I would have expected him to make a run at, at Tanner Bailey, who just left South Carolina. Um, So, yeah, it's a little bit surprising. Now, Peyton Bull was not bad this year. Uh, And Hugh Freeze, if you kind of look at his career, uh, there was a guy at Ole Miss first three years named Bo Wallace. Yeah. And, uh, you know, those of us in recruiting, he was from, like, central Tennessee. We are like, ooh, Bo Wallace. Uh, Well, he made Bo Wallace into a pretty good player. So, he does know how to coach him up. Um, I think his staff knows how to coach him up. So, if that's what Coach Freeze wants, then you know more power to him. I, mean, I totally get it, though. If you're Auburn, you you kind of you see kids KJ, KJ Jefferson from Arkansas in the portal, and start to kind of imagine what what that could be like. And uh, a lot of these fans, it's real easy to dream, you know. And and I think it's this because it's there's so. If you look at
3: college football, guys, five out of the last seven, I think, Heisman winners have been transfer quarterbacks. Yeah, but do you think that – asked this as well, Dad. If they go after a guy like that, I think Hugh Freeze is afraid. uh, You know, Peyton Thorne will sit there and think, well, you don't have confidence in me, so I need to find me somewhere to go. And you don't know if you're going to really get these guys. You go after them, and then you end up making the guy mad who's there with you, uh, who you think is pretty good there. Do they have to – Walk a fine line with that. Uh, I'm asking both of you guys, when you start talking about other guys, bring them in on visits, uh, the where the guy that's there who knows your system might say, well, crap, he don't believe in me. If he keeps bringing all these other guys in, I'm out of here as well. I think Hugh Freeze was worried about that, to be honest with you.
4: It's a concern with coaches. I mean, if they got a guy they like, you know, because he can only play one at a time. You know, that's, that's the uniqueness about that position. I mean, you can sign two or three running backs. Share the carries, two or three receivers, and then those kids are fine. You know, there, there's not a receiver out there that goes, "Oh, I don't like that they sign these other guys." My balls are going to go down, you know, because that means you got a guy, a good guy on the other side. You're going to be more open. <laughs> um, same with running backs to get worn down easily these days. You know, it's nice to split carries, uh, but that position, no, you got to go where you can play, and you can, you can, you can have a great situation there one year. And the next year, the bottom falls out just okay. because of this. So it is a delicate balance with coaches uh, trying to figure all this out. I, I think Auburn and South Carolina are probably in the same position, you know, because they do have a retro a re, a freshman next year that's um, – well, I'll just – I'm not going to talk about him too much, but I'll just let you guys watch him next year and you tell me what you think. Who's uh, that? Who's that? What's his name's Lenore Lenore Sellers at South Carolina. Okay. Uh, and that's why they're not going after – a lot of big-time guys to come in there and try to replace Rattler because they have their guy. So, uh, I think Auburn and Carolina are probably pretty similar in that regard.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Um,
5: If Alabama wins, who will they play? I'm leaning towards Texas. Uh, If Texas can play
4: like Texas played the last two or three games of the year, I think Texas will win that game against Washington. But, you know, the thing about Washington is the minute you count them out, because they have had games where they've struggled and, you know, squeaked by some folks this year, the minute you think, oh, they're going to get beaten, that includes Las Vegas, who had them as a nine-point underdog Oregon pac Championship, championship can they surprise you and win? They're just a winning bunch. And so uh, I, I, my guess is Texas. I think mean, Texas is more talented. But, you know, it, <laughs> if they don't pull a Texas, I think they'll win. But if they pull a Texas you could see Washington win the game, but I think as a college football fan, I love this Michigan Bama thing at the Rose bowl. The second thing I'd love is if Texas and uh, Bama got together again and they play in Houston. Can you imagine how
7: tough tickets are going to be for that one?
1: We're going to put a pause in that interview, uh, inside the locker room with JC Sherbert, and then we're going to take a quick break and then we'll come back and continue. Um, our best of on Inside the Locker Room. I'm Justin Jones. We'll be right back.
8: Tide 100.9 traffic. From the Towns and Nissan Traffic Center, no active wrecks. We do have a bit of congestion on McFarland at If you see conditions throughout the morning that folks need to hear about, please give us a call, 205-886-8886. The year-end clearance is on now at Towns and Nissan with savings up to $10,000. Don't miss the deals. I'm Captain Ray. Here's what's trending on the Tuscaloosa Thread.
9: Good Friday morning. Crimson Tide offensive lineman Elijah Pritchett has been granted youthful offender status in the wake of his arrest for knowingly spreading a sexually transmitted disease. The charge against him is a misdemeanor. Pritchett is out of Tuscaloosa County Jail on a $500 bond. He is 19 years old. Click TuscaloosaThread.com for more local news, sports, and weather coverage throughout the day. It's absolutely free. Don Hartley, Townsquare Media, Tuscaloosa Weather turning warmer today, a mix of sun and clouds with a high at 62. Tonight, fair with a low at 41. Tomorrow, partially sunny, the high 67. Sunday, increasingly cloudy rain arrives by Sunday night, the high at 68. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 41 degrees in Tuscaloosa.
0: Follow Tide 100.9 on Facebook today to watch our live shows. Read the great articles and interact with Bama fans today
1: Welcome back to Tide 100.9 and 1230 AM WTBC. This is Justin Jones. We're doing a best of inside the locker room, going over some of our great interviews that we've done so far this month. We were just listening to J.C. Sherbert uh, in the last segment there. We're going to continue with that, give us our breakdown on recruiting and NIL and, and all things college football. Here we go.
6: They'll be yeah, ridiculous. Uh,
5: yeah, uh, I got one. I got all my blue plates running. Which way? Tell me. Uh, I, I picked. I think on one of my blue plates, I picked. South, I picked uh, Clemson to beat Kentucky. Am I wrong? No, I, I think I,
4: Kentucky's gonna have a real hard time scoring against Clemson's defense. It's just. Uh, <laughs> it's just one of those things. They're really now. Look, Clemson had some opt outs and some transfers, so Uh-oh. you know maybe of course, they're not full strength. <laughs> yeah, you know, they're they're start they're starting. A safety Uh-oh. went to Texas and Uh-oh. some other
11: thing.
3: What up? Temp- so, uh, but me. I think I, Go
5: ahead.
4: I I think I just think Clemson's too good defensively.
5: Uh, you know, the Gators just one way run.
4: That's it. I think. Yeah, they can run, and and then um, that's it. Their quarterback Devin Leary, he's always struggled historically against the Tigers. Yeah. Okay. So uh, when he's at NC State, so I, I, I like that
3: pick. I, I think it's okay. a good pick. What's this about? Uh, former Clemson player coming out talking about Dabo abused. Him. Yeah, what's, what's that about? That? What's that about, JC? Ah, uh, Dabo
4: addressed that in his press conference the other day. He just said it was a drill where a certain group of guys wasn't getting it done and that everybody kind of got, you know, laid into, uh, and it's something they normally do, and nobody was being singled out. And Then he didn't take away. He just – that was it. That was the last statement he made. But uh, it's unfortunate because Terry Kennard is in the ring of honor there. He's one of the best players in school history. Uh, so at any school, you never want that kind of uh, – bad publicity when it's one of your own and, and their kid. But I've also learned through the years when you're dealing with people's kids, you know, it's uh it's it's never as bad as it seems most of the time. And uh I, I just wish the I mean it, it, the Kinnard Kid is a good kid and I just wish him the best and um, you know hope that um hope that this doesn't follow him and hope that he gets on the football field somewhere and all that good stuff. I, I think that uh it was just unfortunate how it happened, um you know, but I can't sit here and beat Dabo over the head with it because you know i, I think there's always a reasonable explanation for
3: everything' sure this i i just if Dabo can find the right job, uh I think maybe he's i think he can be somewhere too long unless you're just doing something extraordinary, which he has uh but it's kind of falling off a little bit, like if this Alabama job opened. Uh, I don't know if they'd go after him or not, but uh, I'm talking about a top-tier job like that. Do you think sometimes it's just better just to move on, uh, J.C.? He's still a young guy. He's got a lot of years ahead of him. Uh, yeah. Can you see that? Yeah,
4: you know, plenty of
3: money in the bank.
4: Um, now, Clemson's is a great place to work and, and, I, and, I, and here, when you're winning. Now, when you're losing, maybe not. But, yeah. uh you know, it, you're up there, you're on the lake, it's a clean living, it's a growing area, there's everything you need, but you're not in a major city, kids go to good schools. You know, at the same time, uh, Steve Spurrier said it when he's in Florida, you know, 12 years, he was there 12 years, and he's like, probably about 10 is too long, because they get sick of hearing the same old thing, and yeah. you know, sometimes you need to change, and, and Coach Spurrier, if you kind of look at how coaching has evolved uh, through the years, nobody really stays that long anymore. Uh, so I mean, coach Saban's probably an outlier in all of that. So, and, and even he was four years at LSU, boom, boom. So I, I think, uh, I think you can see it. I, I really do. Um, I I think Alabama will be a logical, logical fit. He's a Bama guy. Uh, if you look at his staff, it's always either a bunch of Clemson guys or a bunch of Bama guys. And, um, you know he, like I, to, I told you guys a couple of weeks ago, taking that job and following Sabin is tough, but it's all, you also inherit a program that's in excellent shape. Now, when I formed that opinion, there wasn't a transfer portal, so <laughs> you know, we'll see what happens. But uh, I, I think that um, I think that, uh, yeah, I mean, you know if he doesn't get back and win the ACC next year, you know, things are
3: going to start to get a little... The grumbles are going to get a little louder. Any uh, any chance... I, I read this on... A guy keeps sending me stuff. Everything he reads on X, he thinks is true. Uh, that, um Kirby Smart go to the Atlanta Falcons. Is there any, any chance I, of that? I just don't see I
4: that. can't see I'm more likely to hire Will Muschamp than Kirby Smart. Because um, <laughs> right. I think Will would be a good enough... I think he'd actually... That's kind of his... I think he'd actually be really good in the NFL. But,
7: uh, yeah, I can't
4: see – you know, but if you're Kirby, I mean, you got to ask he, – he spent, what, one year there and then didn't like it and came back and went to Georgia for a year and then made his way back to Alabama. But uh, if you're Kirby, you know, you, you got to ask yourself, do you, is that, that an itch you want to scratch? I mean, if you're the Falcons, you know, obviously being in that state hmm. – He's a hero, you know, and uh he's from that state and all that. But I just can't see I can't see that happening. I mean, they're they're <laughs> Georgia's rolling right now and there is more uh if you're a competitor like he is, there's more to accomplish at your alma mater. Uh, rather than taking an NFL job, which you have no idea how that's going to turn
5: out. You could be out of the job in two years if you go up there. Uh, NCAA coming down on, are they going to come, are they going to hope that Michigan does not win the national championship, number one? Um, Are they going to come down on them after this is over to the point that it affects their program at all?
4: I don't know. I, I think it depends on what the facts are and You know, all that and what they can actually prove. Uh, You know, I I think a lot of this is more about Harbaugh and how people don't like him than about Michigan. Michigan's kind of one of their poster childs, uh, which is amazing because anytime something really bad happens in this sport, it happens in the Big Ten, yet, you know, they seem to get a pass. So uh, I I don't know. I I can't see it hurting their program. I, I think, you know, uh, would Harbaugh look at another job? You know, there's a couple NFL jobs, probably Vegas and Chicago, that he would. That, that new contract, he came. Yeah, I know. Why, so hadn't I sa-
3: why hadn't he signed it?
4: I think he's waiting to see what happens with Las Vegas and Chicago. Uh, I think uh, the Bears now, they they they, they blew another one. Now they're 5-9. and nine.
5: The Bears oh. could beat their grandma. They ain't never won. They're... Well, they've won two, two,
4: twice in my lifetime. Uh, but, but it's he played here um, as a quarterback. He knows the family that runs it. He understands the how to navigate it. And frankly, he's a winner. You know, when he took over the Forty ers they were like one and fifteen, and he had them in the Super Bowl two years with Colin Kaepernick a quarterback. So uh, he can navigate. And so I, I don't know. But then the Las Vegas Raiders situation I think is very attractive to him too. Um, but, you know, we'll see what happens with that. I, the NCAA, I, do I think if, if all this stuff is true that they should punish Michigan? Yes. Um, you know, I, I, but I think that the days of vacating wins and stuff, I mean, that's so stupid to vacate a win and take the trophy. Because, I mean, it happened. Everybody knows it happened. So no, that's stupid. Uh, you know, you should be more preemptive than that.
3: All right, J.C., uh, with your getting married, not going to be on our show next week, we're not going to talk to you uh, uh, before the national championship uh, matchup. Who's going to get there? Who's going to play for the national championship?
4: I'm going Alabama and Texas. uh, It's probably because more of that I want to see it. I I can see both games going either way, to be honest with you. Uh, I think Alabama can match Michigan's physicality. I think Milrow, again, will be an X factor. Good luck stopping him. It ain't going to be a blowout (laughs) like a lot of these semifinal games have been. It'll be similar to Auburn and similar to Georgia. But uh, I think the tide will will rip the hearts out of the Wolverines. And then I think Texas uh, will continue to be hot and uh, and beat Washington down there in the Sugar Bowl uh, in a game where a lot
3: of points will be scored. All right, we won't make you predict the national champion. We'll let you get married before that. Uh yeah, I'll be back. on that week. I'll, I'll be I'll be back that next Thursday. All right, buddy. Well, we appreciate uh all the stuff that you do. The people here uh rant and rave about uh what a great job you do. Uh and so uh happy wedding to you, Merry Christmas yeah, just, to you. Uh, just say I do. That's I all do. you gotta do. And that's it. What do I do next? Uh that's yes, all you got Yes, do. ma'am. Yes, ma'am. I do Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Well, well, ma'am. Merry
5: Christmas to you guys.
3: All right, thanks.
5: Yeah, but, Merry
4: Christmas to you guys too. It's an honor to come on with y'all every week and look forward to 2024 and another
3: year of this. We'll keep it rolling. Thank you, JC. Thank you, JC.
1: That was JC Sherbert. We're gonna hit another break here on Inside the Locker Room. We're doing a best of, going all all over a lot of our interviews from the month of December. Uh we wanna wish everybody a Merry Christmas, and hope your Friday is going well. So quick break, and then we'll come back with a, another interview. I think we'll do Richard Hendricks next. It's a great interview we did from Wednesday, December 20th. Be right back.
8: Tide 100.9 traffic. From the towns and Nissan Traffic Center, no active wrecks. We do have a bit of congestion on McFarland and Lurleen. If you see conditions throughout the morning that folks need to hear about, please give us a call, 205-886-8886. The year in clearance is on now at Towns and Nissan with savings up to $10,000. Don't miss the deals. I'm Captain Ray. It's time to ring in the new year right. Alabama a winner over the
0: Georgia Bulldogs claiming the SEC title. It's the Alabama Crimson Tide in the Michigan Wolverines in the college football playoff semifinal at the Rose Bowl. Our coverage starts at 1 on New Year's Day on your home for Alabama football. Brought to you by Birmingham Racecourse. BirminghamRacecourse.com. You can be a winner, too. Two-time state champion and two-time NIT champion, Barry Sanderson breaks down the latest in sports on Inside the Locker Room on Tide 100.9.
10: You can say there's no
1: such thing at Santa But as for me and Grandpa, we believe Welcome back to Inside the Locker Room, She'd this is Justin Jones. We're doing the best of dog. Inside the Locker Room on Tide 100.9 today. To go. um, we're going to get started here. I just want to remind everybody that you can but download the Tide 100.9 app. You can send us messages, ask your questions, but also that way lets you go. listen to us Anywhere you go, um, in your car, at home, at the beach, anywhere, the Tide 100.9 app. So we're going to get to our interview here with uh, Richard Hendricks, a great former player and coach, and they got into a really good conversation, I think, with uh, Coach Sanderson and Barry, and here we go.
3: Uh, 05 is McDonald's All-American, first team All-SEC. Uh, in 2008, uh, last year here at Alabama, I averaged 17.8 points a game. I was actually, Richard was coaching at South Carolina. We were trying to figure out how to guard you uh, when I was <laughs> in South Carolina. We had a wild game with y'all actually over in Columbia. That I think we hit a three at the buzzer to put it in overtime anyway. But good morning, Richard. How you doing? How you doing, hey, sir?
5: Good.
7: good morning. How y'all
5: doing? We're doing great right here. We're doing good. Go ahead, Deb. Um, Arizona game tonight. I played them a couple of times. I'm not gonna get into that two or three times when I was coaching. They were, they're hard they're hard to beat. Uh we we were fortunate against them. That things have changed now. They've got good personnel uh uh or, you know around the perimeter and shoot the basketball really well. Talk a little bit about what Alabama has to do. Um I've got my own feelings but I'll let you you say uh, what they have to do in order to stay in this game tonight. Well, I think for
7: Alabama tonight, it's all going to start on the defensive end. Uh, you know, they have to do a much better job of guarding uh, for longer periods of times throughout the course of the game, but not just on the perimeter, but also in the interior. You know, yeah. They've had some trouble against teams that have really good big men. You talk about Zach Eady, uh, P.J. Hall that was at uh, Clemson. Uh, Ryan Calpeter at Creighton. Every single one of the post players who can get good position down low has put Alabama's big foul trouble and have changed the whole complexion of the game. So this is another game. You talk about Umar Ballo, seven foot, 265 pounds. You know, they get him freed up in a lot of ways. With his size and weight, he can go right down up under the block and they can hit him in the high-low, he can post up. But they also get him moving in pick-and-roll using Caleb Love uh, to create for him. So this is going to be a very tough game for Alabama, um, and, and they need a signature win in the biggest way because they just haven't had one all year long. But uh, it's going to have to start on the defensive end because offensively you have to play to your identity, and Alabama is the up-and-down team. They shoot threes from the outside. That's nothing I don't believe you can change in a short week of work. Uh, but the defensive intensity and effort, And maybe a little bit of game planning from a standpoint of showing different looks at different players and clogging up the paint and then finishing with rebounds is going to be the best way that they can kind of stop Arizona because this is a very well-coached team and very balanced.
3: Uh, Richard. what can Alabama, you know, for for instance, you would have had a field day because uh, against this Alabama team, uh, because you were a low post scorer uh, and you had strength. These guys are long, but they don't have a lot of strength and athletic. They have athleticism, but not the strength. And as these guys get buried under the rim, what can Alabama do, Nate Oates and those guys do to try to help these defenders down there? Is it post to post double, uh, bring a guard down in hell? What, what can they do to try to guard these bigger guys inside?
7: Well, so many things you can do from a, from a tactical standpoint. I, I think if you are playing a big guy, which Arizona has, the first thing you have to do, you have to not allow them to get to their spots easily. You have to meet them at the, at the free throw line, at the elbow. You have to route them and make them take a long route to get into the paint. That, that's the first thing you have to do. Uh, and you have to get physical and make them catch the ball outside of the paint, outside of their comfort zone. Now, that's something that sounds easier said than done. That's something that you have to obviously – you don't get that done in two or three days of preparation, you know, before the game. That, that happens in the summer, in the offseason, in the weight room, you know. So you have to be able to be physical with a person to handle that load. But you route them out, and if they catch the ball outside the paint, then their shooting percentages are going to go down. Now, from a tactical standpoint, so many things you can do. You can big the big trap. You can force them to the baseline and send someone else over. You can shrink the court, and every single time the ball goes into the post, guards are digging out, and uh, you can do other things by waiting to see if you want to double-team on the dribble or not on the dribble and make it very confusing. But they do a good job with Ballo uh, of of getting him in pick-and-roll action. So it's not just, as you mentioned in my time, where you're throwing it into the post and and letting a guy operate when there's two or three bigs. You know, in the paint, this is a different time. They're going to spread it out. They only got one guy who's down there, but you're just going to really have to do your work early. And um, for Alabama, one of the best things to stop someone defensively is just to make them guard you on offense.
6: Yeah.
7: Uh, you, you can't change your identity. You, you are who you are, and you have to give credit to Nate Oates in Alabama. It's been effective in his tenure there. You talk about two SEC championships in the tournament and the regular season. You can't change your DNA. You have to do what you have to do, but you have to do a much better job of making them guard you and run your sets better and knock down shots because the offense and the defense have a correlation.
3: You know, uh, the way Alabama plays, uh, Richard, they probably don't have to guard the low post much in practice because uh, their post guys are always playing on the perimeter, and so when they're working against themselves, <laughs> their guys are always out there. We They talk about Betty Ica. I think Betty Ica was a guy that, that came off the ball to block a lot of shots uh, there, so they do miss the rim protection, but I don't know that he was blocking them one-on-one. It was it was him as a weak side defender coming coming and getting the ball uh, there does that does the, the style style they play does that affect their low post defense when they get into games with big strong guys like they 're going to play tonight
7: i i think it does um but but the reality of it is in the college basketball landscape, everyone plays this way yeah uh, th- it's not a time where you have two you know six foot eight two hundred and forty pound players in the low post or in the high post you know. With interior passing. You know, I, I mentioned it all the time. You know, I, you mentioned that time I was playing in 2005. It's crazy. That's almost 20 years ago. But I played in the lineup. You know, it's Richard Hendricks, Chuck Davis, and Jamario Davidson, and Alonzo G at six foot six, 230 pounds, and everybody's in the paint. I remember. <laughs> so it's a different, and you know as well as South Carolina. I mean, you know, you got Brandon Wallace and Ronaldo Bauchman and and other really good players who have to have size and ability inside the paint the game is not that way anymore yeah you only have one big man out there on the court so there's so many things that change it as far as you have to guard it but the problem if i do say it's a problem or the issue that alabama can run into and then they have run into in the past without having the low post threat is can you win six games in three weekends in, in march but when you have a different turnover in different styles of games where you have to play on short notice, when you play one team on a Thursday uh, that has, you know, a seven-footer that's a big duck-in guy, and then on Saturday you got a team versus all guards, and then the next week you have a different situation if you move to the next round, how does that translate when, when you're playing in the NCAA tournament against teams on short notice, on short rest, um, with a different type of play styles? How does it translate? Now it's translated well in the SEC, but um, I think a little bit of play diversity at sometimes can be beneficial. But um, I-, I have confidence that Alabama will make the adjustment. I think they should understand that this is a really big game, and they got to get it. Going to be a tough place to play in Arizona, but I guess it's considered a neutral site, but uh, still a-, a big opportunity.
5: Yeah,
3: that.
7: Well, I believe, you know, certainly there's a mixture in that as to where they
5: play—a mixture of three-point shooting and layups. Uh, with the two-point shots kind of out of out of factor, um, I think the big thing for Alabama is to find. This is an offensive standpoint to find a big guy, the guy from. Uh, I haven't seen him enough to really know the guy, maybe from North Carolina. But to Betty alco has gone, uh, with these guards able to drive the basketball and throw the lob to the backside. I had Derek McKee, and we threw the backside right. all the time with a good with a good pass that we can get. Alabama can get some scoring back there if they can get a guy that maybe would give up shooting the three and get back there and be set back there for the long lob pass. Secondly, secondly, when you look at shooting, there's one thing that affects shooting, and that's the ability to, to contest. Right. Um, if, if people contest, we, we spent all of our time at our times talking about whether we had contested the shot or not. And I think uh, people are always asking, why did they shoot four for 22, why they do this, why they do that? Sometimes you, you you run into teams that contest very well, and it's not easy to make them. And you find teams that don't contest; they don't get to the ball, and you shoot it a lot better. So these are things I think fans don't understand, but absolutely we need to we need to at least comment about. No,
7: no, you're you're absolutely right. I mean, it's not to call out, you know, the Alabama basketball fan base or basketball fan base in general but the, the education of understanding what's going on in the basketball game. I, I do think that um, you know, if you take football, for example, the, the general football person that's watching football understands that that wasn't a good play call. Um, we probably should have run it in that situation. Uh, the guy who came in motion has to set the edge and get a block to get that run. You, you understand the little nuances of the game. But when it comes to basketball, most people kind of view it as it was a good possession based on if the shot went in or not. And it's not a matter of just if the shot went in or out. It's how did the shot become created? How was it a good defensive possession? What happened in the action to create the advantage? Did the player play with enough intensity to affect the shot on the defensive end? Did they all have a game rebound mentality and finish the defensive set? in a certain way um so tactically there's so many things as y'all know that's going on out on the court that i don't know if a casual viewer notice that you just say man alabama needs to work on their shooting they're four for 22 from three and it's like well why are you four for 22 is it because you're missing wide open shots or is it the defense of the other side is it the team not running good uh sets to free people up to get them clean looks is it situations where you should have driven it in and taken the two-pointer as opposed to settling? You know, there's a time and situation to every single possession in basketball. It's a, it's a real chess match. match. Well, yeah.
1: We're going to take another quick break here. You're listening to a best of Inside the Locker Room. We're listening currently to the interview with Richard Hendricks, former player and coach. We'll take a quick break. Be right back and continue Inside the Locker Room.
8: Tide 100.9 traffic. From the Towns and Nissan Traffic Center, no active recs. We do have a bit of congestion on McFarland at Lurleen. If you see conditions throughout the morning that folks need to hear about, please give us a call. 205 886 8886. The year end clearance is on now at Towns and Nissan with savings up to $10,000. Don't miss the deals. I'm Captain Ray. Go inside the Alabama Crimson Tide with
0: the Gary Harris Show.
2: Hey, everybody, it's Gary Harris coming up on the Gary Harris Show on Friday, the TGIF edition, and we will talk with Brett Pritchard of the Auburn Report about Auburn's National Signing Day class. It's a good one. Plus, Adam Amin from Fox Sports and a whole lot more. We'll have some fun on a Friday on the Gary Harris Show.
0: Catch the Gary Harris Show Monday through Friday, 9 to 11 a.m. on Tide 100.9 and tide100.9.com.
9: The Birmingham Racecourse Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. The weather turning warmer today, a mix of sun and clouds with a high at 62. Tonight, fair with a low at 41. Tomorrow, partially sunny, the high 67. Sunday, increasingly cloudy rain arrives by Sunday night, the high at 68. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 41 degrees in Tuscaloosa.
0: Find Tide on Twitter at Tide109 to keep up with show announcements, guests, and our reporters in the field.
1: Welcome back into Inside the Locker Room. We're doing a best of today as and Barry are out. Um, Barry is then Marion, in in Alabama at a basketball tournament. So good luck to them and their team today, and their team as they play today. Um, but we were just listening to the interview uh, with Richard Hendricks, former player and coach uh, from Wednesday, December twentieth. Really good stuff there. We're going to continue that. And remember, you can listen on the Tide 100.9 app. You can go to our website and look at all of the great stories to keep you up to date with Alabama sports. Here's Richard Hendricks and William
5: Barry. all of that there they're, right. they're good threes and bad threes. Yeah.
7: Yes, yeah. uh, absolutely, absolutely. But but you have to know how to view the game. If you if you don't view it properly, you're just looking at it and say, man, that shot didn't go in, and it's a little bit more to that.
3: Uh, Richard, you bring a good point about the NCAA tournament. The, uh, when it's a one and done uh, deal like that, sometimes these games turn into more of a half court, grinded out. Ie, San Diego State. Uh, And I guess Alabama may have to learn to play a game like that as well. And and I don't know that they recruit towards that style, but they do need some guys a little bit bigger maybe where they can throw the ball in the low post uh, and score. Uh, Do they need to add, maybe add a a dimension to their self offensively to be able to maybe win those six games like you're talking about, advancing that NCAA tournament? Because those games seem to turn into more of a half-court grind. And sometimes oh, for sure. that, 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 those are tough for a team that likes to rip and run all the time.
6: Listen,
7: yeah, I, I do think so. And not and being partial because that was a position in, in a way that I played throughout my college and professional career. But it gives you an element that you never know when you need it. Now, I was listening a little, little bit before you talking about kids playing multiple sports and certain aspects of it. The problem, I think, is in the youth game, you don't see players being developed into low-post players because it's just, quite frankly, not fun to watch and it's not sexy. And when you don't play multiple sports, you don't get that physicality from playing football and you don't get you know, some other type of ways of how to use your body from playing different sports. You don't develop that. And then in the youth game, you see an eight-year-old playing pick and roll where you give the ball to the best ball handler and then the big is just running up blocking somebody. He never plays and never touches the ball. So he never develops any fundamental skills. So it's hard to find that player. And then on top of hard to find that player, that player is no longer coveted in the NBA draft. Mm -mm. So if you're a college kid, do you want to go play in a program that's going to play a style that you enjoy playing and that you have potential to be picked in the first round? And if you come to Alabama, you have that. Yeah. But if you are a low-post player, just take Zach A. Eady. You take Oscar Shebway. You take um, Adamo Nogo at UConn. Or you take the biggest one I look at is Drew Timmy at Gonzaga, who was a technical low-post assassin. Yeah, And it's like, do you want to be undrafted <laughs> and not play in the NBA? Or do you want to say that I'm just effective in the low post? So there's so many things going on, and I cannot blame Alabama for who you recruit because sure. how you can't tell a kid, hey, come here and be this piece, and then he sees his buddies over here who have so many less abilities who are picking and popping, and they get picked in the first round. That's a hard sell for kids. Yeah. So it's 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 so much going on. I do think that it can be effective. I do think that you can win because here's another thing to talk about. You talk about six games in the NCAA tournament, and I talk about it with several of my buddies, and one thing about it is that, like, when you play an NCAA tournament and they got a new rack of balls out there that bounce to the ceiling, (laughs) uh, the rims are extremely tight. Yes, You're playing in a big arena where the depth perception is totally different. You're playing a team that you haven't seen before. Uh, On short notice, because maybe there's an upset on the other side of the bracket, now the team you thought you were playing in the second round is not the same team. It's hard to shoot threes. It's hard to dribble that ball. And as you mentioned, there's a reason why you see UConn winning the national championship and they're pounding it in with the big man, you know, getting some close layups. Because you can make layups, I don't care if you're playing with a rock or you're playing with a, a bouncy ball. You can make a layup. But it's not the same for shooting from the outside. It's the reason you see in recent years, you know, Baylor winning the national championship with those guys, Kansas the last year with McCormick in the last few years, uh, UConn with Sunogo down low, and they have a seven foot two guy. It's an element. In the NCAA tournament, that, that definitely helps you to be successful.
3: Yeah, you're right about those brand new balls and those hard rims <laughs> and those. It's, well, it's amazing. You can't
7: shoot with that. Yeah, you can't. Go ahead, Dad.
5: The one thing you have to do, and I recruited our staffs. We recruited well. Is that you have to you have to mention the things that you know they like. I'm talking about the recruit. You have to. You don't have to say it completely, but you may have your assistant do it. But they like to hear that they go and shoot some three-point shots because <laughs> they think they can love, not like. Yeah. Love to hear. And they and recruiting and, and I'll give Alabama credit for um, you know shooting all of threes. It's helped them in recruiting. But there is a situation where big guys. I'm not talking about Edie. I'm not talking about that big. Uh, yep. Some of the ones you mentioned, but they're big. They're guys that are probably better off really scoring for you inside. But if you, hey, you know, you know, I, we'll shoot that three if we can. That kind of stuff. Um, it helps you recruiting, but at the same time, you know, I, I played inside out. Right. Uh, they play outside in, uh, or outside outside. Not really in much at all, except the law pass occasionally. So I think that you. You have to you have to put that out to the to the recruit without telling him he's going to shoot a bunch of, But when he gets there, he expects to. <laughs>
7: hey, listen, you, you, you're right. I mean, all coaches. Listen, I was a big guy with touch. You know, yeah. going up at Athens, You nice wanted to job, shoot yourself? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I shot him and I made him. I was yeah. highly effective. I felt like shooter on the high school level. But you know, when I got to college, you find out quickly that you know you're, you're kind of asked to do what you're what you need to do sure. for the team. And, you know, times have changed. I I do think, uh, as y'all mentioned, a player coming in in 2005, if you're shooting three and then they say, okay, we don't need to shoot too many of those, you're going to do what the coach asked. But nowadays, as you mentioned, one year in, 6 you're going to transfer. You're going to leave. So the the element of telling the player, hey, that I'm going to let you do something, and then when you get to the game you're trying to win, you kind of flip the script on them. I don't know if that holds true anymore because, you know, you you tell a guy that and he's going to be there for three, four years and he knows if he leaves, he has to sit out and transfer, which is probably not something he wants to do. Um, Nowadays, players want to play the way they want to play, when they want to play it, they want to do things they want to do, and it's a major challenge for college basketball and even high school basketball. I see it when I watch high school. Even high school basketball. These kids want to play the way they want to play. And if they you don't meet them a little bit on their side, then they just don't play. And it's a sad time, to be honest.
3: (laughs) Richard, uh, you had a long career overseas. Um, I've been overseas, but never, uh, you know, basketball-wise. What are they doing different development-wise over there with, with those guys? Seems like skill level... And that it's a world game now, but it seems like those guys have a lot more skill than the Americans uh do in my opinion maybe i'm maybe I'm wrong but you look at the nBA these guys are re- really skilled uh players where maybe the the American players are athletic, but maybe it's the aAU system here that's uh, not development so what what are they doing in Europe that's different
7: well well you you hit it on the head the the, the biggest problem I would say is the aAU system and w- what happens is in many Ways from a young age, kids are eight, nine, ten years old. They start to get on these travel teams that anybody can start. You play in these tournaments that they accept anybody into the tournament in at these venues that charge fifteen dollars for parking and fifteen dollars to get a wristband to sit in there all day long. So you play six games, one against a team you beat a hundred to twelve, and another one that you beat, I don't know, two hundred to twelve, and you know. There's there's no practicing. You're just hooping. You're not playing basketball. You're just hooping is what you're doing. It's it's pickup. Yeah. And the teaching element of it is is not what it used to be. You know, high school coaches, you know, my dad was a high school coach, also a teacher. And, you know, the teacher, they're educators.
1: Sorry to interrupt Richard Hendricks there, but we do got to take a break again here at the top of the hour. You're listening to a best of Inside the Locker Room. Quick break. We'll be right back to finish up this interview with Richard Hendricks from Wednesday, December 20th. You're listening to Tide 100.9, your home for Alabama Crimson Tide Sports. Tide 100.9
8: Traffic. From the towns Townsend Nissan Traffic Center, no active wrecks. We do have a bit of congestion on McFarland and Lurleen. If you see conditions throughout the morning that folks need to hear about, please give us a call, 205-886-8886. The year-end clearance is on now at Towns and Nissan with savings up to ten thousand dollars. Don't miss the deals. I'm Captain Ray.
0: WTBC Tuscaloosa and W two six five CG Tuscaloosa, a Town Square Media station, Tide one hundred point nine, and streaming on the Tide one hundred point nine app. From the Fox Sports studios in Los Angeles. Here's Eddie
2: Garcia. In the NFL Thursday night, football saw the Rams beat the Saints 30-22. L.A. was in control throughout. They had a 30-7 lead in the fourth quarter before New Orleans scored a couple of late touchdowns. Quarterback Matthew Stafford for L.A. had a pair of touchdown passes. One went to wide receiver Puka Naku, who had 164 yards receiving. Rams have won 5-6, of six, improved to 8-7 and seven on the year, and hold the sixth seed in the NFC playoffs. For New Orleans, they dropped to 7-8. and eight. They're a half-game back at Tampa Bay in the NFC South race, and a half-game back at Minnesota and Seattle for the final wild card spot in the nfc in baseball news the dodgers signed japanese star pitcher yoshinobu yamamoto to a 12-year 325 million dollar deal outbidding teams like the yankees mets giants and red sox yamamoto has won three straight japanese league mvp awards in the nba the pistons lost their 25th game in a row falling to the jazz 119 to 111 detroit now one loss short of tying the nba single season record
0: Inside the locker room with former Crimson Tide basketball coach Wimp Sanderson and his son, former SEC and ACC assistant basketball coach Barry Sanderson. It's time to take you inside the locker room on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app.
1: Welcome back into Inside the Locker Room with Bear out today, so we're doing it best of. We've uh, heard from J.C. Sherbert in the first hour, and we had been listening to Richard Hendricks from Wednesday on the show, Um, and I I had to interrupt him, unfortunately, but we're going to get back to that. We're going to hear what he had to say. It was a great interview. Richard Hendricks, former player and a coach, I believe currently a coach. So let's continue that interview. We'll be um, listening to Richard Hendricks. You're listening to Todd 100.9. Stay tuned.
7: It's a coveted thing. It's an education process within coaching the game and teaching to kids how to go about playing the game within the structure and then other values that come with the game of basketball and any sport that you play. But that That's eliminated. And with that also now is just the emphasis on trying to win uh, those games that your kids playing 60 games in the summer and at the end of the summer they don't know if their record was... 50 and 10 or if it was 10 and 50 because the game didn't matter well you know it used to be in america you, you know you might play 25 high school games and, and every game mattered and you had to be one of the elite players of the elite players in the state to be on some aau summer ball travel team other than that everybody else played at the rec. but in europe you're gonna play maybe six practices to every one game mm-hmm. as opposed to in america where there's six games to every one practice Great That's point. if you even practice yeah so you learn so many small details within the team perspective about how to read the game how to prepare yourself um and and, and you have more teaching so players are more game ready now now i don't believe even though the best players that are getting the NBA MVP awards and the top players are obviously Jokic and uh, Embiid, who has some international uh, upbringing, as well as Giannis and um, Luka Doncic. These guys are the best players in the world. But on the whole, the best players are still American, and it's by far. Um, But the super talented kids like uh, uh, Giannis, uh, uh, Embiid, Luka Doncic, uh, Jokic, these guys have been through so much development, through practice, and then playing up. You mentioned earlier on the show there was a freshman team, you know, in the college days in years past. That's what they go through overseas. Yeah. You play on the youth program, you might come up and practice a day with the with with the big club. Uh, you might sit on the bench and play a game with the big club, and then they send you back down. You know, there's so many things. So you're playing against grown men. You know, I played against Luka Doncic. I played against when he was. 16 years old in real madrid real madrid i was in spain so you talk about they get the experience and the practice and they get the time to develop you can't develop if you're just playing games because there's too much of a competitiveness and winning uh premium on on the development of the game and you really can't do it if you're just playing teams and winning 84 uh in an AAU basketball game that you know no one's
3: really watching. Yeah.
7: Six practices
3: to one game or six games to one practice. That makes a lot of sense to me. Richard, uh, we appreciate you being on. Thank you, We can have you on throughout the season. Uh, I could talk to you uh, all the whole show uh, <laughs> and break it down. But uh, look forward to having you on, hopefully, throughout the season. And we'll see if Alabama can guard that low post tonight and we'll see what they come up with.
7: We appreciate I, you. I, thank you all for having me. I think they might be able to get it done tonight. You but do. Thank you all for having me. Thank you, Richard. Thank you.
1: That was Richard Hendricks. We're going to keep things rolling here, listening to another player, former player and coach, T.R. Dunn. We had him on uh, two weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, two weeks ago, about uh, December Wednesday, December 13th. Um, we're going to hear from him and keep things going on this best of inside the locker room. Here we go.
3: Pressure treated pine from Great Southern Wood. If it doesn't have the yellow tag on it, believe me, you don't want to go to yellowwood.com to find the dealer that is closest to you. All right, get right to the Yellowwood hotline. Obviously, he played at the University of Alabama from 73 to 77. That second-round draft pick played at uh, Portland, Denver, Phoenix, and back to Denver, coached at several uh, different NBA spots. Uh, I know he's one of your all-time favorites. It's mine as well, Coach T.R. Dunn. Good morning,
5: well, no, TR, right. TR, good morning. How you doing? I'm good, gentlemen. How you guys doing? Fine. Uh, TR, uh, we've been talking about buying players in the NIL. Did you spend all that money I gave you to sign at, in one, at one time?
6: <laughs> <laughs> wow! I, <laughs> you could have spent McDonald's. I say, I say, we're like, I'm like, we're not just me, but it's a lot of players. We're like fifty, forty years too, 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 too late. You know. <laughs> hey, hey, hey to our cool. listeners, I know our listeners.
5: I've said this before, but but I got Tr's dad a job for Frank. Frank Nicks played point guard for me at at, at Carbon Hill. And he was building houses, I'm doing something. And I got Frank I, and I got T.R.'s dad a job and he worked for that job for years, didn't he, T? Until he retired. <laughs> yeah. And uh that was my only that was my only opening to your door try to <laughs> get you in. But didn't that dad that didn't hurt his name, did it? <laughs> That was my, that was my nil right there. Yeah, that was, yeah, it was your nil. <laughs> I, I um, there's a, there's a high school coach that goes into New York, and he tells uh, North Carolina. Uh, Dean Smith was speaking. He tells North Carolina about Tr. And so now, don't North Carolina's got their nose in it, and they're they're in there. So. I have finally got Tr ready. To, I think ready to sign. I've got the papers in the car, and it's been a, it's been a two year battle to go by there and see him practice. And he's I enjoy you know just visiting with he and his mom. I got to see his mom before she passed away too, not several years ago. So I go by there, Barry, and uh, I and North Carolina is in the car in the in the I think in in the uh, in the house. And they back out, and I back in, and I'm giving it. I'm getting all of my ex- excited about being able to get him and all this kind of stuff. And we got the papers and everything's ready. Guess what, Barry? You don't have a pen. I don't have a pen. I yeah. know I've told it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a cotton picking pen. We got to go next door and get a pen. Mm. But uh, Tr played what? 16 years in the pros. Uh, played 14. Fourteen. Play fourteen, uh, with three different teams. And what's his name that uh passed up uh who was a uh, I can name, the one that helped to recruit you uh sign you, uh you played for? Uh, tell me. From Portland? Yeah. From Stu Inman. Yeah, Stu it the one before that. Uh, Jack Ramsey was a coach yeah, yeah Jack Ramsey Jack Ramsey was ja- terrific Jack was... Ramsey was the coach and Stu was the general manager yeah and Jack Ramsey I was with Jack Ramsey quite a bit on on Reebok different trips and he was a workaholic mm-hmm. he would eat fruit he would jump rope he would he would do exercise he was some he was some some basketball coach wasn't he,
6: he was a terrific coach great teacher um uh, and he was he was very very much very much so into fitness and that was one of our things too. I mean, we when we um one of the things one of the things back back in my era, back in the era when I first came in the league, most of the players uh would come in the camp and get in shape in camp. Come, you know, work through and get, get to where they were. Uh where, where they had to be through through <clears throat> through training camp, which was like a month of two a days and, and guys would use that pretty much, but Jack, you know, we, we would, my first year, I get a letter in the mail, you know, back then it it wasn't a lot of communication with no emails and stuff like that. I got a letter in the mail from the Blazers that the first day of training camp, you know, we had to run a mile in a certain, in a certain amount of time. You know, I forget what the time was, but it was a time for guards and a time for the big men. And that's what you had to do. First day of camp. Wow. And, uh. So he was a fitness guy. And then uh, there, my third year there, I got that same letter. It was two miles. <laughs> first day of oh, camp. No. <laughs> you know, well, yeah. Dean, Dean, Barry Dean Smith said uh,
5: uh, in, in recruiting TR that not only was he one of the great defensive players we ever had, uh, he made the statement, when you threw it to TR, it's like, and when he got it, it was like throwing it against the wall because he's going to throw it to somebody else. Yeah. He wasn't going to shoot it himself necessarily. If he had a shot, he might. But it was like throwing it against the wall because it was it was going to some it was going to somebody else. I thought that was a great compliment. Dr. Is there anything
3: uh, you know
5: that happened
3: in your career, maybe in high school or college, that you said, "Man, if this this was the one break I needed, or, or this happened and this helped me get on to the NBA, make a great living, being a, a great player in the NBA, a coach anything throughout your uh, playing days that man had that not happened maybe all these other things wouldn't have
6: happened. Well, uh, man, I mean, I had a, a, a lot of great influences through, throughout. You know, throughout. Obviously, I had a great support system at home, but as far as the coaching was concerned, you know, I got off. To, I had a really good start uh, with my high school coaches, uh, um, uh, Don Burgess. Uh, Bob Haggard, Ed Donahue, those guys were my coaches, and mm-hmm. you know they were they were they were they were, they were uh, uh, really good. Uh, not just good coaches; they were good teachers. They were good people, mm-hmm. and and they, they 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 set a good uh, foundation for me, and which led right into college, where you know um, I had obviously it, it, it followed up right through there, where you know we had we had we had great coaches there. Who you know help instill the right things into us? You know, Coach talked about you know, hey, throwing the ball up against the wall. That was just you know what what I was taught. You know, basketball is a team game, and obviously you you try to you try to display your talents, but at the same time you have to do it within a team framework. And so that it, that 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 along with um, you know having you know having some ability a God-given ability and, and hard work, you know, kind of got me through.
1: Yeah. That's T.R. Dunn interviewing um, from Lat two weeks ago Wednesday, December 13th, with Coach Sanderson and Mary Sanderson. Uh, we're doing the best of inside the locker room here on Tide 100.9. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back to continue this interview. You're listening to Tide 100.9, your home for Alabama Crimson Tide Sports.
9: Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. The weather turning warmer today, a mix of sun and clouds with a high at 62. Tonight, fair with a low at 41. Tomorrow, partially sunny, the high 67. Sunday, increasingly cloudy rain arrives by Sunday night, the high at 68. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 43 degrees in Tuscaloosa.
0: Mr. SEC Tournament Wimp Sanderson gives you his excellent analysis every weekday on Inside the Locker Room, right here on Tide 100.9.
1: You're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. You really. Welcome back into Inside the Locker Room here on Tide 100.9. We're doing a best of. We're going over some of our great interviews from this past month. Um, Getting us ready for the new year with the barrier out today. We want to wish everybody a Merry Christmas. And remind you, you can listen to us on Tide100.9.com or download the app and uh, listen to us anywhere you go. The car, the beach, um, the bathroom. (laughs) We're going to continue our interview here that we were listening to from T.R. Dunn. Uh, two weeks ago, Wednesday, December 13th, former Alabama basketball player, NBA player, and now coach. We'll continue that right here on Tide 100.9. Mr. I wouldn't
2: touch you with a 39-and-a-half foot...
3: You know, you make a great point there. Um, this NIL money now, and these, you talk about the money these top guys are making. I'm not the... Middle to bottom but the top guys are getting a lot of money now, and that's probably they're going for the money. Uh, And that might not happen. What happened for you, where they need to go to the right coach for them, the right situation for them, maybe, and and maybe it's not as much money there because that might be what really helps their career. Or they may go get some somewhere get money, but the guy doesn't run a discipline program, and they never reach their potential. You think that we'll see some of this stuff happening just off the greed for just for money here so early in an I I
6: yes, it's very possible. Yeah. You know, don't get me wrong. I'm all for it, the players yeah. uh, getting getting paid and stuff like that. But you know, it, it's, it's it'll, it'll push into the gray area because you can see it like now players change teams like. They change their shoes yeah. every day, you know, and so if you, it's, it's basically like some some players and not all. You get you get in a situation where you can make money in three different places, but you just want to go. I guess take the easier route out, uh, where where you're going to have less resistance, that's opposed to what you're trying to do yourself and not what what's good for the team. So I mean, it's possible. Um, uh, you know, you just hope that uh, the young the young guys and they are young c- coming from high school to college, you know, they, they can get a good foundation, something that they're going to, that gonna help them along the way and carry them into the league, you know, because it's, once they get into the league, it, it's, it's like, you know, you know, you obviously there's a team framework there, but you know, you, you on your own as far as you got to earn a living in on your own. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. How, how, long yeah. and, how long did you play? How long did you coach in the Twenty-three
5: years. You got when you went to the mailbox. You
6: got two checks, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. too, too small, Too small. <laughs> yeah, too small. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, we're fifty. We're I'm fifty years. We're fifty years ahead of time. But hey, yeah. everything is relative. You know, I yeah. enjoyed my time. Okay. I really, I that uh, playing and coaching. There's nothing like it. You know, if you if you if you if you're a sports person and that's all I've done since you know, up until six years ago. Uh I, from a young, very young age I played played sports high school, then college and then professionally and then coaches, you know, that basically that was that's my entire life. You yeah. know. Well um I don't know what games you
5: uh, what games you might, might want to mention. I, I guess you want to mention my pregame speech before the Auburn
6: games. <laughs> oh, <laughs> God. That was that was that's something that I never forgot to this day. Uh, uh, I, that was such a when we played Auburn <laughs> when we played Auburn that was your game. You did that. You scouted that game, and you 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 were the guy that gave that gave the speech. And we call it a motivational speech before the game, and coach, he, we were so fired up. We go out and fight our mama. I mean, it was like it, it was it was so emotional in the in that locker room that it was it was just unbelievable. And we were, the players we would talk about that forever. Man, coach is fired up, so we fired up too. We would just listened to him. And then we go out there and play. Evidently, evidently, it, it, it had a lot of meaning to us because I don't know if we ever lost to them.
5: Yeah, we played pretty uh, darn good. And it wasn't my speech. If we did, it may have been one time. <laughs> it, 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 it was not my speeches, but I did uh, did enjoy trying to get y'all ready to play anyway, Barry. <laughs> uh,
3: just talk about the uh, Alabama team that you that you're watching now. Obviously, I don't know how much you get to get to see them out there on TV. They were... Uh, went to Purdue. How do you guard a guy like Zach Eady? You guys see that guy maybe in the pros a lot more than you do in, in college. Seven five, the guy can uh, really shoot free throws. If they let him stand the lane all night, it's going to be really hard to guard. Uh, just gonna me what you saw there in that Purdue game. If you saw it, T.R. Well, I, I missed the game.
6: I missed the game, and uh, you know, I have I haven't I've seen just tidbits of, 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 of the game thus far. I plan on, you know, I've just been kind of tied up doing a lot of other things, and I, have been, I haven't seen them play that much, but I'm obviously, a you know, I'm a diehard Alabama guy, football, basketball, baseball, whatever they play. Yeah, gymnastic, I'm, I'm, all, I'm, all, I'm supportive of, of, of every team that, that's there. That's, that's my, uh, you know, that's my team, that's my home. Um, and I really pull for pull for those guys, you know, each and every time they get out on the floor. Talk about trying to defend the guy. How do you defend a
3: guy like that, uh, T.R., Zach Eady, uh, the kid from Purdue, player of the year? Uh, he's probably well over 300 pounds, got a great touch. He goes 11-11 from the foul line. And will his game translate to the NBA, or is that game going to be too fast for him?
6: Well, I mean, when you first, when players first come in, unless you— You know, one of those players that that comes around once every hundred years. You know, the game you you, you're gonna. There's growing pain. There are always growing pains. You know, to get get adjusted to the speed of the game, the speed of the game. You come in, you know, a lot of times as a as a a young person, um, young adult, and you're playing with grown men who've been in the league and has tons of experience and. And you know how that works. You you you, you can't you you can no no coach. I mean, you can have great coaching and you, a great skill set, but you can't, nobody can give you experience. You got to get that through playing. So they, they, there's a process you go through. Some guys go through it. Some guys are, are very knowledgeable of the game and can can grasp things quicker than others. Uh, but there's a process, and it, it takes a little bit of time to kind of. Be able to display what you have. Totally. Yeah. Uh, they had the, um, you know, the group
5: of, of players that the uh, first, I guess you want to say the first all black team, minority team, however you want to say it. I didn't go. Mm-hmm. I know you were invited and, and could, uh, couldn't come down from Charlotte uh, either. And uh, but uh, that uh,
6: that that team was really good, wasn't it? Yeah, I I was I was a fifth member of that that particular team and I hated I was unable to make it and yeah. make it down, but I, I knew I knew that three of my former teammates, uh uh uh, uh Raymond Odom, uh Leon Douglas and, and Charles Booney Russell was gonna was gonna be was gonna be there. Unfortunately one of one of my uh former members, uh Charles Cleveland has has passed away and yeah. he was not there and uh i wasn't there, but hey that was a that was that was a that was a really good team we 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 was um we were really good and and i think well i mean we won the uh, we well actually we tied for yeah. the SEC championship that year against Vanderbilt, and what's, uh, we won it was uh, basically won the SEC championship and didn't even play in the tournament because back then Vanderbilt. that was only only 32 teams were allowed in the tournament, and the the conference champion, which Vanderbilt represented the conference because of our our two losses, our losses were to them. Yeah. Both losses to them.
5: Yeah. That's what bothers me so much about wanting everybody to get in the NCAA tournament. I don't like that idea. I think it it takes away from the games during the year. A little bit. You're playing, you know, try, try, trying to play to get in it. Uh, people don't realize they're listening to our show that at one point in time, for a lot of these guys, were some of them born uh, that we were only allowed to play put 32 teams in the NCAA tournament. So that that's really, 30, yeah, 30, 32 teams. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's tough. Uh, so the uh, regular season meant a ton. Yeah, yeah.
3: Uh, Tr producer Justin, he's got a question for you about uh, Draymond Green. Go ahead, Justin.
1: Yeah. Hey, Tr. The, so, Draymond Green last night is ejected uh, from the game against the Suns. Um, this is, I believe, his third time being ejected so far this season, which at this point is tied for most ejections in the regular season in league history. I think. I know you played in a different era, but what do you? What is your reaction to Draymond and how physically plays? Of course, we know his experience winning championships with uh, Curry and Clay in, in Golden State, but it seems to just be a recurring issue. Comparing from when you played to now, what's your thoughts on, on Draymond Green?
6: Well, I mean, the day is a different game, it's far different than when we when I played. I mean, we we were allowed. I mean, we were allowed to be much more physical, if you want to use that word, uh, than than the game is today. But you have to you have to play within the framework of the rules. That's just how it is. Everything evolves, no matter which game. Football, it, it has evolved. And and so uh, he's gonna have to. He means a a, a well of a lot to his team, to their team's success. You know, some people say he may have cost them a championship uh, when they lost that series against the the Cleveland Cleveland Cavaliers way back when they came when Cleveland came back from three to one series when he got suspended for that game for kick, kicking LeBron. I mean, it's like you have you know Draymond is a very intelligent person. But you know he he has a certain
3: way he likes to play, but He, he just it's, it's a detriment to his team, in my opinion. Yeah, do you in need, my opinion. Do you need like last night? He just slugged the guy. I mean, he acted like he was an accident, but it was. Well, he just literally slugged him. Um, but do you need a guy like that? That's kind of like a kind of an enforcer. Kind of mixes things up, or is that is that a distract too much of a distraction? Uh, Tr.
6: Well, I mean, you you can have a guy. Who 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 you know who plays that role for his team? Yeah, but still, I mean, you don't. I mean, every team got one, but you don't see every team guys getting getting what he did. Yeah, so you see what I'm saying? I mean, every yeah. other team that has a guy that that plays physical for that team, and so the quote unquote uh, enforcer for their team, but they're not getting suspended every whenever you know like this. So you have to. He he just have to do some he had to do some soul searching and make some changes. Hopefully he will because like I said he's he's a really good player and he means a lot. He means a lot to that team. <laughs> and wonder, they, they need him. Yeah, they need him. Yeah. I, I...
1: That's T. R. Dunn talking about Draymond Green and his suspension and uh, all the uh, issues revolving around him and the Golden State Warriors. We're going to continue to hear from T. R. Though as we wrap up that interview right after. We take this quick break. You're listening to Tide 100.9, your home for Alabama Crimson Tide Sports.
8: Tide 100.9 traffic. From the towns of Nissan Traffic Center, no active wrecks. We do have a bit of congestion on McFarland and Lurleen. If you see conditions throughout the morning that folks need to hear about, please give us a call, 205-886-8886. The year-end clearance is on now at Towns and Nissan with savings up to ten thousand dollars. Don't miss the deals. I'm Captain Ray. Hi, baby
0: Down to the pylon. Touchdown, Alabama. Untied 100.9. I want a hippopotamus for Christmas. Only
10: a hippopotamus
1: will do. Welcome back into Inside the Locker Room. We're doing a best of... Of December, I guess, as we're going over some of the best interviews that we had with Wimp and Barry inside the locker room for the month of December. We were listening to TR Dunn. We're going to continue doing that as uh, TR has some more thoughts and comments. And we just want to wish everybody a Merry Christmas. And remember, you can download the Tide 100.9 app so you can listen wherever you go. You can also go to the website and on the app and see all of our great stories to keep you updated with Alabama sports. Here's Coach.
10: Barry
6: and T.R. He means a lot to that team. (laughs) They they need him. Yeah,
3: Yeah, uh, I'll show you how smart I am. I was at South Carolina when Steph Curry was coming out of high school. He weighed about 125 pounds. You watched him, and it was like, "Eh, I know Virginia Tech offered him a walk-on. Ever seen a guy like, th- like that? Uh, that can shoot the ball like that. That moves without the ball like Steph Curry. Uh, Tr, how do you guard a guy like that? I, 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 I grew. I,
6: he grew up. I knew him when he was yeah. a kid. Yeah, I, I knew him from. He lived across the street from me for a while. When I coached his dad, I've been knowing that kid forever. Um, yeah, I mean he he is he is just a, a baby face assassin. He, he was so. He, he looked so young and but he played he had he he, he was a, always been an intelligent player and when you have guys who have a skill set you know and his skill set was shooting a basketball and he got to be better as a ball handler um because he, he you know he 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 his, his coach put him in different roles when he was at Davidson coach McKillop I believe his name was but had yeah. had him in different roles and he developed as a ball handler. Now he shoots the ball, and he handles the ball, and he has—he—he—he's uh, smart enough to know to know the game, understand the game, and those guys like that always can figure things out. And you know, his the, the, history. I mean, nobody expected him to be what he is now, because if he was, he wouldn't have been the fifth player taken in the seventh player taken in the draft. I believe something right. like that.
2: Yeah.
6: Uh, but, but you knew. I mean, I got a story. At our um, when I was I was coaching with the Rockets when he when they were in the tournament, and you know every everybody has a uh, draft pool. Everybody does it, you know. When you have a not a draft pool, but a a pool about the NCAA tournament where everything is going, right? Mm-hmm. Who, who, who you know you're picking your team and you're paying money. I won the pool in that year because I picked Steph. I picked. Davidson all the way to the semifinals because of Steph, and and everybody was wondering how in the heck could I pick that team, and it was because I knew that kid, and I I didn't obviously didn't know he was going to just kill the league <laughs> the tournament like he did, but I figured he would give his team a chance, and he, did. he almost beat Kansas that year, yeah, uh, but to get to the final, uh, but uh he 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 uh his dad, I mean he's a he's, he's a Sort of like a spitting image of his dad. His dad was a great shooter as well. Yeah. I coach, like I said, I coached his dad. His dad, his dad didn't handle the ball like him. Yeah, but his dad could certainly shoot it like that. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, t- tell us where you're, uh, you're. in Charlotte, right? Yes, me in Charlotte. Uh, how about your family? Everybody's good. Everybody's good. We we're just uh, you know trying you know everybody's getting ready like all always, for christmas holidays for the holidays you know i have my grandkids and i that comes over a lot and i'm i'm, I'm with them and you know we're just enjoying it right now and, and getting ready for the holiday season well i appreciate you being out you know recruiting was up was never very
5: easy but i don't think it was any more fun than the years that i've tried to spend and recruit with you because you know you're up front with me and and um you know, you, did, you didn't you didn't give out much information because you didn't talk much. But uh, <laughs>
6: but but uh, recruiting you was great, and I, I appreciate you. <laughs> I, I appreciate you, coach. I enjoyed. Uh, you know, you had an ace in the hole, though. My my mom was, yeah, was I, I worked I the hard. Always yeah. yeah, she that I, even though I made visits to other places, my mom was like, well, she wanted me. Yeah. You know that. I, that's what my mom
5: wanted I to ain't real smart,
6: but I knew that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, TR. Thanks, TR. I, I enjoyed it, guy. You take no,
3: care. Thank you. you. Uh, what a great guy. Well, yeah, uh, what a great person. A great oh. player. God, what a great person. Yeah, yeah. yeah you just, you uh, know, he, he was assistant here at Alabama, and everybody that's been around TR, uh, worked with him, played with him, uh, they all love the guy. and. You-
1: that was Tr Dunn here on our best of inside the locker room. We're gonna to get to our next interview. I think we're going to jump to let's do Bill Cameron from this past Wednesday. Uh, Talked all things recruiting. Is that I believe it was the first day, and uh, we'll get to that. Continue doing our best of. We have about half hour left in the show. We appreciate you listening, uh, and Merry Christmas everybody out there as well. Reminder: you can still download the app, listen live, look at all of our stories. Here's. Wimberley and Bill Cameron from Wednesday, December
5: twentieth. Wayne's Pest Control
3: serves over one hundred thousand customers across Alabama, Tennessee, and Mississippi since nineteen seventy three. Let the great folks at Wayne's make sure your home is protected from those unwanted pests. Wayne's provides world class termite protection, general pest control, and mosquito prevention services. They also keep that lawn. Looking lush and healthy. 866-Wayne's-1. Tell them you heard on inside the locker room. $60 off your initial pest control source. So I get right to the Wayne's hotline. He's with ESPN 106.7 The Drive down in Auburn, Opelika. Uh It's signing day down there. I know they uh, Coach uh, Freeze, I think he has a 1230 press conference. Uh, how's it going down there this morning, Bill? Uh, pretty
11: much Pretty much, I guess, uh, as scheduled. Nothing terribly exciting thus far. I mean, a lot of folks just wondering about a few guys that are that are out there that you know that, that different schools have a shot at, but no huge shock, I guess, up to this point, at least, as of about five minutes ago. Yeah,
5: yeah. Um, Tua's not going to play in the game, and people say no, that's really good. I think it's bad. And the reason I think it's bad I don't, I don't say bad, not the right word I think it becomes more difficult To get your team ready to play Now I know it's a bowl season I know I, all those kind of things But there's just some way that, that with, with kids that you have to do a double job Getting, getting ready to play When the, when the all-time leading quarterback in, the, in ACC is not playing To me You
0: know, I, I
11: agree We talked about that a little bit yesterday I mean, it looks like you know, it looks like something that could even things up a little bit more because Auburn doesn't have two of their starting defensive backs who've opted out of the okay. bowl game. so and we don't talk D. about D. that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, D.J. James and Nehemiah Pritchard aren't going to play, but you're right. It, it has to be a little bit of a letdown. Uh, you know, some of the guys are going, oh, look at, look at the numbers for their backup quarterback. I know he threw some passes. Um, Edwards uh, threw, I think, Forty-eight passes or forty-six passes or something like that a year ago. Only only ten pass attempts this year. Four of ten for two yards this year, and that's got to make some of the guys relax a little bit and think, well, they won't have to worry about it. So I, I understand that point, but you know the fact that Auburn does not have Marcus Harris or two yeah. of their actually their two starting cornerbacks, yeah, um, probably makes them breathe a little easier.
5: Yeah, it does. It should. I, I didn't think about that. I, I probably. Uh... O- overspoke there but uh, uh you know i just know he's such a you know a, a guy everybody looks at to to run the offense and do everything that' sure. a little bit different i don't know
3: uh oh you freeze if you freeze do uh, you ask a question he gonna tell you he's gonna give you an honest answer uh <laughs> <laughs> you know he talked a lot about uh, the quarterback situation there sounds like to me you know uh they're comfortable where they are they're gonna sign a freshman there uh he said if i bring in a guy then these guys are going to transfer out we got to get better pieces around them uh were you surprised at how honest he was about uh the entire situation there i'm talking about to the public now i'm sure he sits down with these uh, kids individually and kind of talks about what they're looking at but he gives it all to you out there does that surprise you a little bit bill well, yeah, it still does. I mean, you
11: you expect him. I mean, you you ask him a question, he doesn't avoid the answer. But but when he was asked about the transfer portal and he said, quite frankly, he doesn't think he's done a good job. And I thought, wow. Uh, yeah. I mean, there are a lot of fans. A lot of fans might be thinking that. You don't usually hear a coach. But then when he went on and explained it, I, I understand where he's coming from. You know, he's a the guy, there's no question, he's a good recruiter and he's a good closer. But he's gotten used to doing that by... Uh, you know, face to face, getting to know the players, getting to know their families, and then really being able to build on that and they, and Auburn had set up uh, a few guys that they really had targeted out of the transfer portal and we're hoping to bring them in late because that's sort of been uh, one of the things that Hugh likes to do with some of the recruits that are sort of out there on the fence. Bring them in and see if you can have that last impression with them. Well, the problem the problem with the transfer portal is a lot of those guys, they're not going to wait for three or four visits. They go somewhere and they like what they see. They're gone. And uh, Auburn's lost a couple of players on the offensive line. I know that they really would have liked to have added, and those players never even made it even made it into Auburn. So that's what he's talking about. they're going to have to um, sort of change their philosophy about the transfer portal a little bit. I think he's. I think he's still very determined that he wants to build this program. Uh, with with high school signees and then plug in transfer portal guys. But until you get to that point where you have the kind of roster you want, you you need a few more transfer portal players.
1: Uh, Today, uh... That's Bill Cameron from Wednesday, December 20th. We're going to continue our best of inside the locker room right after this quick break. So stay tuned. You're listening to Tide 100.9, your home for Alabama Crimson Tide Sports tied
8: 100.9 traffic from the towns and nissan traffic center no active wrecks we do have a bit of congestion on mcfarland and Lurline. if you see conditions throughout the morning that folks need to hear about please give us a call 205-886-8886 the year-end clearance is on now at towns and nissan with savings up to ten thousand dollars don't miss the deals i'm captain ray weekday mornings at 6 a.m the martin houston show
7: Hey, this is Martin Houston, and I want to just take a moment and, first of all, thank you for a great year of listening to the show. And I also want to take the time to wish you and yours a very Merry Christmas. Uh, May you spend it with you and yours. And then invite you to join us back on Tuesday as we start the official countdown to Alabama versus Michigan in the Rose Bowl. The phone lines will be open to 9904 four two nine nine zero four. We'll add Kenny Smith the third into the conversation. Xavier and Justin, and I'll be here. Make sure that you make plans to join us on Tuesday, on Tuesday. And once again, Merry Christmas from the
3: Martin Houston Show and crew, right here on Tide one hundred point nine and twelve thirty a.m. WTBC. Catch the Martin
0: Houston Show from six to seven weekday mornings on Tide one hundred point nine. Tide 100.9,
9: Tuscaloosa weather. The weather turning warmer today, a mix of sun and clouds with a high at 62. Tonight, fair with a low at 41. Tomorrow, partially sunny, the high 67. Sunday, increasingly cloudy rain arrives by Sunday night, the high at 68. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 42 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Inside the locker room with Wimp and Barry
0: on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Feliz Navidad.
1: Welcome to Inside the Locker Room. This is Justin Jones.
10: Producer, not producer,
1: not <laughs> we're doing a best of Inside the Locker Room. as Webb and Barry are out today. We've heard some great interviews from December that we've had so far this month. We were, before the break, listening to uh, Bill Cameron with uh, some information on recruiting down in Auburn and some of the other stuff going on around college football. Let's get back to that. Here's Bill Cameron and Coach Wim Sanderson and Barry Sanderson. All right.
3: article on AL.com that Auburn is looking maybe to flip three guys. K.J. Bolden, who's a Florida State commit. Uh, There's a five-star uh, D.J. McCray, who's a Florida commit. And Mar- Marius Williams, they're all one sign, I think, at nine. The other's around noon. Uh, do you see uh, Auburn landing any one of these three guys today, Bill? Is it still, still up in the air? I think Auburn's uh, the best shot for Auburn is Marius Williams. I think uh, I think they've had a pretty good shot
11: there. Ohio State may be the biggest competition for Williams, who's a, an outstanding defensive lineman from North Carolina. He's one of those guys that have been committed to Florida and then backed off um, Florida, uh, trying to trying to hang on to L.J. McCray, and, and he's coming up in about uh, 30, 35 minutes. McCray is one that has been, uh, I think he grew up with Florida State as his favorite school, and Auburn has really, really pushed for him but I've got a feeling he sticks with his Gators because he, you know he's a guy from down in Florida anyway. Williams being from North Carolina doesn't have those ties to the state of Florida. And Auburn, obviously, with Marcus Harris leaving uh, and uh, Elijah uh, McAllister being out of uh, out of eligibility, Auburn has Auburn has playing time to offer there. I think they've got a really good shot at Williams. Bolden, man, that has been a back and forth type thing. He's been committed to uh, to, uh, to Florida State and uh Auburn has really pushed word over the last couple of days is that Georgia, with Dylan Rayola, the quarterback flipping to Nebraska, uh word is that, that Georgia's got a little extra NIL money and they've really, really been pushing Bolden's from buford Georgia. And uh, you know, Georgia's really trying to keep him in. So that's gonna be an interesting one. I, but I think out of those three guys, that the best shot Auburn has is for the uh, for the defensive lineman Amaris Williams.
3: Yeah, yeah.
5: Uh Basketball wise, uh, of course, good win against Southern Cal, who's better name than our team. Uh, well, they're talented, Whip. they're just not a great team. No, he's the. Well, Tim Floyd used to be the coach there is a friend of mine. I, I won't get into that, but anyway, they're they're uh, they didn't play Auburn very well, I think. And yeah. of course, it's hard to play Auburn. They kind of zone, in my opinion, and also the crowd, of course, affects you know affects so much, so many people that come in there. uh, They went, they they went beat, one of the game twenty points after that. Um, This Auburn basketball team, it it seems to me like that it's good on in all areas and gotten better. Uh, I really think they they're good defensively. They share the ball pretty good. Um, I, I just and they shoot it, or you know, are shooting it. Good, you uh, know, when people really contest them, they have a little bit more difficult time. Everybody does, but this is sure. a team that's going to be, and and I'm not putting any pressure on what I say doesn't mean anything. <laughs> but I think it's a, I think it's an NCAA team. Um, you know, it may be a ten for all I know, but I think it's an NCAA team if they keep everybody well. Well they've got good guard play. I mean, that's that's something that has really stepped up. The numbers that they have, the the turnover, the
11: the assist to turnover ratios and then the the turnovers we talked about it last week in that that game where they only had two turnovers till the last second of the game. They're uh, uh over the last over the last 3 games, their point guards uh with Aiden Holloway the true freshman and Trey Donaldson uh are averaging double-figure assists and about two turnovers a game and uh, teams have tried to pressure them a little bit. They're they're really good. They really protect the ball well, and they've they've been pretty unselfish. They pass it, and they're getting some assists from you know from their uh, inside guys as well. Jalen Williams is a, is a really good assist player. He's become a little bit uh, he's uh, become a little more aggressive, and has had uh, you know has had times when when teams start to you know uh, sag it in on Jenei Broom or try to pressure a little bit more on the guards. Galen's been able to take over so yeah they they have a a nice mix I mean I don't know that they uh, they've got anybody that you go man that guy's an NBA player next year or anything like that but it's a really nice mix of players who don't mind sharing the ball and they all get into the uh, they all get into it defensively so that's helped
3: uh, what's uh, I guess Auburn plays tonight, correct? Uh, what's on the rest of their schedule here before for conference? Probably? No, they don't play tonight. No, at all. no, no they play Friday. Friday. That's right. That's yeah, right, got out. Got Alabama State. That's
11: Friday right. night. That's right. And then not another ball game until Chattanooga, which is the night of the bowl game on the thirtieth. So they get a little bit of a break for uh, for Christmas after after this Friday. Well, um, is.
5: Is the recruiting to the point in, in football that people stand to be, I don't know why I think this, stand to be disappointed if they don't get everybody they want? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That, yeah. That's definitely
11: it. I mean, I was talking with the folks going, you know, the, 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 the ones ready to go, oh, crap, when you don't yeah. get a guy that's yeah. been committed to Florida or Florida yeah. State for months uh, and you, you don't, you don't flip somebody you don't flip more players it seems like a disappointment they're going to have a top 10 class they uh you know if they if they do get you know more than one of those guys or, or find another one i mean they're still uh also uh watching very closely a couple of offensive linemen out there that uh, you know Cohen Eccles, the former Texas A&M lineman uh, if, if they get a guy like that they've got a chance to have a probably uh, top six or seven nationally class. Now, what's crazy, it's still going to be fourth or fifth in the SEC at best, but that's the kind of class that can, that can at least be a big step. This is the year, actually, you know, I think the expectation was try to get around the top 10 this year because they were still catching up. I, I, I really think that this staff has done, uh, an amazing job in just a year to be able to build the relationships that they have. And, now they're definitely they they've been able to be working on the twenty five and twenty six classes. That's what you have to be doing. You yeah. better you better have a big step forward for next year's class by the time that
5: your class for this year is to, you know in the books. Yeah. One one other thing, and we've already mentioned it, I guess, but it's worth mentioning it for me again. Um, I guess we even talked about it. The the a little bit inferring that uh, saying that. You have the quarterback. The quarterback is there. Does uh, does that affect some people who thought maybe they might want to come there as quarterback? Uh, I know, I guess Robbie's leaving. But uh, is it – if i got Auburn on my mind a little bit and I hear that publicly, does that not – make me pass over and die and not try to go there as a quarterback you're talking about transfer guys or or yeah transfer or guy a transfer guy yeah yeah I'm, I'm, I'm sure it would I'm
11: sure it would um and and, and you know I think we talked about it uh, we did I uh, guess yeah the week before I mean one of the things is they've got you know everybody has a certain amount of resources and I really think that that Hugh freeze is in the situation where ancient where Need the talent around the quarterback and the the talent on the entire team to be better i think before you go out and try to bring in that guy that you might feel would would be the difference maker auburn's not the position right now of adding if they added the best quarterback but weren't able to bring in extra receivers or linemen then that quarterback probably be running for his life and looking for another place next year you hope (laughs) you know in, in the situation that auburn's in right now you hope that you bring in those players and then after a year, that you know that Peyton Thorne will be gone. And then if if there is a quarterback that you feel, man, this guy could put us over the top, he would look at the roster and go, man, I like these young receivers. I like the the the, the offensive and defensive lines that, that that'll be protecting me and and putting pressure on the other teams. That's when you go for that big quarterback. And I think that's I think that's the the thought process right now.
3: Yeah, I hear what uh, Coach said there. Uh, how's the fan base taking that? Uh, are they comfortable Peyton Thorne? Uh, some as- are a lot, a, a lot are very skeptical.
11: Yeah, and it's funny. I mean, when you, when you tell them, look at some of the other guys that that had such good years in their second year this year compared to their first, and it's like they go, "Yeah, but but that's different." We'll we'll see. I mean. Um, I really thought, I thought Peyton was a much better player down the stretch this year than he was at the beginning of the year. Um, But, but you're right. I mean, there's some, some fans that feel like, well, if you don't get a great quarterback, then we're probably looking at a seven win season next year. And what good is that? It tells
3: me he must be really uh, high on this backup Griner uh, because, you know, you're one play away. uh, So you really want to have some depth in that quarterback room. Uh, Is he, is is Griner, what, what, what have you seen out of him? He really spends it well
11: i know he's he's not as athletic as peyton or robbie obviously but i mean uh he's the guy that's got good pocket awareness and people people now are thinking that hugh has got to have it's it's funny that uh that that auburn fans sort of got into this thing with with gus maybe it was more so with gus but they feel like with hugh well he's gonna have to have that that quarterback that can run for seven or eight hundred yards or he doesn't have a chance no, you
10: just
11: Santa
10: need to be able to
1: make the read, Santa and Santa if they're, Lanes, if they're giving, giving That was Bill Cameron on uh, Inside the Locker Room from Wednesday, December 20th. Thanks for listening for our Best Of. and uh, Barry are, are out today, so I was filling in. This is Justin Jones. We are doing a Best Of Inside the Locker Room, going over some of the best interviews that we had this month. Uh, from some great stuff from uh, Richard Hendricks, T.R. Dunn, Uh, J.C. Sherbert and and Bill Cameron We're going to continue on though on Tide 100.9 The Gary Harris Show is coming up here We're going to have some great guests with him Adam Amin, Brett Pritchard, so look forward to that We'll see all of y'all On Tuesday Tuesday next week, have a Merry Christmas And a Happy New Year This is Tide 100.9 Your home for Alabama Crimson Tide Sports